joined first on the line live by uh, Sean McKiernan over the last couple of weeks if you've been listening we've been doing uh, a series for uh, job seekers uh, we were talking about online interviews we were talking about uh, cover letters uh, and CVs and today we'll be talking mainly uh, about face to face interviews so Sean nice to have you again and uh, nice to chat to you again uh, Seamus, good morning and hello to everyone in Roscommon and everyone listening online also. Thanks a million. Uh, over the last few weeks we've been doing uh, tips and uh, for job seekers and it's gone down very well. Uh, we have covered the CV, cover letters, uh, CVs uh, and uh, we did a bit last week about online interviews. But uh, a lot of people still attend interviews face to face. So what have you got for us this week? Yeah, well, as you've said, um, two weeks ago we talked about CVs and cover letters, etc. And last week we talked about online interviews. And if there's one kind of key thread I can I can run through the entire series is the importance of preparation, uh, the importance of investing time and effort into this. It shouldn't be a lastminute.com effort. Um, it's something you should probably spend an hour or two at over a couple of nights, uh, do a bit of concentrated work on it, and then leave it for another night. Don't become too obsessed with it. Put, it. put in some consistent effort into it, though, because a new job can mean a lot from people. Uh, it can mean uh, new income, uh, new opportunities, or promotion can mean a lot of, for, for people. It means, again, more money, more responsibility, and perhaps more intellectual stimulation as well. So this is something that's important to get right and worth putting the time and effort um, into. And the same is true of the face-to-face interviews. And again, if you have put in the preparation time um, with a really high-quality cover letter and a really high-quality CV that is bespoke and is unique for the job you're applying for, so it's not a generic thing or a template or something you're producing en masse and sending out everywhere, if you've put in the effort for something that's very individual to, to the job you're looking for, You've actually done a lot of the preparation for the interview already, believe it or not. And, uh, Sean, what is the usual makeup of of the uh, interviewers? Is it uh, one, uh, is it two or three, or what is the usual makeup, or is it fluid? There's probably a difference between the public and private sector. Um, yes. In, in the private sector, there might only be one person interviewing you, which is which is very dangerous from their point of view. And um, so that's nearly another. We could nearly do another week on on interview tips for the private sector and how yeah, to yeah. interviews. Um, uh, if you want, Seamus. Yeah. Um, in the private sector, usually one or two people. Uh, in the public sector, it's highly structured. Um, it depends on the organisation, but I mean there can be three and sometimes more members of the interview panel. Uh, public sector interviews are highly structured um, in that you have different competencies, etc. You will have probably addressed those competencies on your application form, and the letter of notification, etc., will advise you that those will be the areas that you're going to cover. Um, so whether those competencies or not, if you look at the job description of any job, be it public or private sector, you, you, that will give you a fairly good idea of where the questions are going to come from um, at the interview itself. And if you look at the job description and how you're experienced to date, be it work experience or if you're younger, your academic and voluntary community experience meets those requirements um, you will, you will, you know, that, that's a good key to how the interview will go for you. And you need to kind of farm from your own experience as much as possible really high quality examples 
of significant scale and significant achievement that, that highlight how you can meet those job responsibilities. Right, and uh, I mean, if, if, you know, everybody is different. Uh, some people might be very competent, but a kind of reserved personality. And if there was, say, three interviewers, uh, you know, it might be a bit of an intimidating situation for that particular interviewee. Um, generally, and I suppose particularly in the public sector, you have you have three member interview panels. Generally, it's r- well run, um, and I mean they will try and put you at your ease as much as possible, um, and they'll clearly highlight the areas they're going to cover with you. And I suppose one thing that I say, having sat on the other side of the table, is that often the interviewers are equally nervous. They want the thing to go well. They want the thing to go well for the candidate, but also for themselves, because they're operating with colleagues whom they may or may not know, and I suppose they want to be seen to be doing well as well. So there's nerves, believe it or not, on both sides of the table. Um, the employers or the prospective employers or the people who they've appointed are keen to get to, keen to get the right decision and keen to make sure that you can highlight as much of your experience and your ability as possible. So, uh, and in this ultra-politically correct age, what, in terms of appearance, should people remember? Look, I I think people should dress smartly. Um, You know, not so smart that you're going to a wedding. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, uh, to dress smartly and dress appropriately. Um, And, I mean, look, I think particularly for males, maybe the day of the shirt and tie is disappearing. But, I mean, if, if you choose not to wear a tie at least be smart. You know, we want, we want clothes that are clean and that are kind of smart casual. So um, that you put in a bit of an effort into it. Correct, yeah. Now, look, I mean, that's not going to be part of the score matrix, but, but every interviewer has biases, and, and I suppose you want, to, you, you want to take that into account as well. Um, but, I mean, you, you are correct. It is an ultra-politically correct world. We do have equality legislation, and there's, there's, there's a lot of areas in terms of, in terms of um, gender in terms of marital and family life, etc., uh, in terms of sexual orientation, that interviewers cannot stray into, and, and if they're well advised, and most of them are, they won't stray into. Right, OK. And uh, then when the interview is uh, going on, what are the, the tips and what are the things to avoid? Well, two things that I'd like to maybe suggest to, to uh, people and that they can do in advance is have a strong kind of opening statement ready. You will be asked some sort of a settling-in question, and it's good to have a strong opening statement ready um, that highlights your interest in the job, um, your interest in the particular organisation or company, and that demonstrates you've done a little bit of research, and that highlights why your experience to date is uniquely aligned to meet the needs of the job. Um, I think one thing people forget is it's not about whether this job suits you. People often think, well, that job would suit me. I live yeah, in that yeah. company or... I did a, a job like that before. It's, <clears throat> it's not about meeting your needs. It's about you making the case and proving to the point to the employers that you'll meet their needs. And I think having a closing statement as well, because, again, if, if the interview has been run well, you'll be given an opportunity at the end to add or highlight anything you didn't get a chance to mention. And I think having a well-rehearsed, not memorised, but well-rehearsed closing statement that ties up any loose ends from the interview and re-highlights your unique experience is good as well. So no matter how it goes in the middle, at least you have a strong start and a strong finish that that you will have put a lot of time into. But equally, by studying the job description, you will get a good sense of where the questioning is going. And as I say, have plenty of examples ready from your own experience. Um, And we want meaty examples. Uh, We want examples of real scale 
and real merit and real achievement. We don't want kind of examples that that are kind of ambiguous. Um, and look, if you made mistakes, own them, and but highlight the learning you got from them and the new processes you brought in because of those mistakes. And I think finally, Seamus, as well, uh, there may be gaps in your knowledge, there may be gaps in your experience, and if you can convey a sense of that you're interested in further training, that you're interested in feedback, that you're a highly coachable individual, uh, because it doesn't matter if you have all of the relevant experience or not, or all the relevant qualifications, if you come across as someone who's very flexible and coachable and eager to learn, that is going to impress interviewers also. That's uh, uh, brilliant stuff, uh, and a great way to leave it. Sean, you've been uh, absolutely brilliant the last few weeks. I'll talk to you between this and next week, and we'll see if there's something we can cook up for next week. But look, at, that's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much uh, for your time and for your expertise, uh, and we'll talk to you very soon. Thank you, Seamus. Thank you very much, Sean McKiernan there.